Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Talk show host, John, we'll try to give that a whirl here on a Thursday that's turned out to be a beautiful day. I was been inside for the last four or five hours, grinding up at uh, Newhouse, and now come out and from a, a rainy miserable start to the day it's uh, turned out to be gorgeous 66 and sunny starts to make you think about football the orange are on the road tomorrow to take on florida state with a saturday start time at 12 20 back in the dome a week from saturday with wake forest coming in on military appreciation day for uh, a start time still to be determined on 11 11 good to have you with us uh, we're kind of exiting out of that period where we were blessed with uh, all the great confluence of sporting events, including the World Series, which uh, elapsed last night, going all the way to Game 7, kind of an anticlimactic finish as the Astros win their first ever World Championship, beating the Dodgers on the road at uh, Dodger Stadium. As for Syracuse basketball, its debut is just around the corner. First of two dress rehearsals in the Dome last night, and of course the Orange had no trouble with Southern New Hampshire. I'm Matt Park. Good to have you with us in the booth. You can join us by phone at 437-7644-4ESPN44 if you'd like to chime in about the basketball or anything else. We'll hear from Matt Rowe, who uh, called the game with me on television last night. Uh, Good to be back and uh, working with the uh, sharpshooter and uh, getting his perspective on the game. Uh, Clearly in these exhibition games, when the Orange are playing a Division II team, they are going to overmatch them, and it was only a matter of time before that clicked in, and uh, while both teams were sloppy, understandably, at the first couple of minutes, then uh, Syracuse smoothed it out. You heard Coach Beheim say after the game that the shot selection was much better, the ball movement to set up easy shots better in the second half. The Orange shot 57% from the field after halftime and had two long runs to put the game away. In the opening half, a 20 to nothing spurt. Southern New Hampshire went nearly 12 full minutes between field goals in the game and uh, that's obviously not a recipe for success. They were forced out to the three-point line and uh, had limited uh, effect there until uh, sort of too little, too late. And uh, the Orange commanded the glass as you you knew they would, 54-41 block shots. Of course, one of the big storylines last night, 16 zilch. And we'd like to get your thoughts. We'll share some of ours on uh, what we saw, what was uh, expected, what was Surprising. Certainly the expected was the performance of Tyus Battle. Uh, maybe the player on the team you have to worry about the least. Battle, it took a minute for him to come around. He did not hit a three-point shot in the game, but he can score in so many ways and wound up with 20 points, five assists in 26 minutes. He'll get to the line a bunch. He's a good foul shooter, and uh, that boded well uh, for uh, what we should see from here on out. Of course, whether the Orange will be able to withstand any off nights for Battle, whether... He's sick again or gets shut down by somebody or his shot just isn't falling, which is bound to happen at least once or twice over the course of the season. Who will be next? O'Shea Brissett, an outstanding showing last night. True freshman, went for 17 points and 11 rebounds. Looks uh, Makes it look easy. Scores at every level. Was 2 of 5 from three-point range. Uh, clearly can get to the rack and uh, be effective there. To me, the biggest surprise was 
how effective at both ends of the floor Barama Sadibi was on his 20th birthday. He had maybe the individual highlight of the game, and uh, it was on the defensive end. Ball ahead, beating the pressure. Walters to the rim, and Sadibi beat him to that spot and swats it out of bounds. So Barama, he'll draw comparisons, obviously, to uh, by Musiketa. Coach Beheim said, and, and the first exhibition game bore that out, Look, Bai was a tremendous, in fact, Coach Beheim used the word transcendent, defensive player. Barama looked that way last night, by the way, but uh, whether he will be that uh, game in and game out is uh, uh, hard to, we don't know yet, and it's hard to imagine he'll be as impactful as Bai was right away. But he contributed in so many other ways. He got out and ran the floor. He got the easy baskets. His free throws were ugly but good. And uh, a 10-point, eight-rebound performance, did turn it over five times. He's obviously not strong with the ball. And uh, six block shots. The center position for Syracuse, and those two will split it evenly, basically. So they played 38 minutes. Barama Sidibi and uh, Pascal Chuku combined for 12 points, 14 rebounds, and 12 blocks. That's pretty good. Take that any night of the week, man, <laughs> yeah. Mark. But again, they're not going to play a lot of teams that don't have anybody taller than 6'6", six, six, and so you have to uh, understand that going in. Well, they're not going to get 16 blocks, but you can tell that the back end of the zone is going to alter shots. You know, like yes, it hasn't well, the been a long time. Is there. The passes were challenged. Uh, the ball going in and then back out. Uh, Marek Dolajai gave him way more than I expected. He comes in as the front line of the press. He's got exceptionally long arms. So we can joke about how he needs to get in the weight room and mix in a cheeseburger and whatever, and that'll come in time. But he had a knack for getting a hand on uh, loose basketballs, and in one case, you know, deflecting a pass to a teammate, corralling the loose ball, uh, setting up somebody for an easy basket, Tyus battle for a dunk uh, right underneath the rim, and the, the pressure was effective because the Orange uh, overmatched Southern New Hampshire. Whether they'll be able to do that uh, down the line, we'll see. Have to stay out of foul trouble, but you could have two guys split that back line position with uh, Sadibi and Chukwu. Moyer's a hustler. Frank Howard had his moments uh, of excellence last night. So I think there was a lot to like. Yeah, Frank Howard still made a couple of the the mistakes that Frank Howard makes, which I can understand why Coach goes crazy because I've watched him for two years tell him not to do things, right. and he still does it. But hopefully he outgrows that quickly. He'll stuff the stat sheet now. 15 points, 8 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 assists, 6 turnovers. You obviously can't have 2 assists and 6 turnovers. But for uh, Howard, lots going on, a central figure, uh, he's a guy who needs to build his confidence and uh, understand that he's going to get some run. 24 minutes last night. The Orange are back in ac- exhibition action on Monday night as they take on another team from the same league, Southern Connecticut. Uh, those two are both in the same conference as LeMoyne. And uh, Southern New Hampshire and LeMoyne figure to, again, be up near the top of the league. They won their respective divisions in the uh, regular season last year. So... Maybe a slower start in terms of shooting the basketball early. Overall, the Orange wound up at 45%. That's uh, not good, but you'll take it, and uh, room for improvement there. Three-point shot wasn't falling early again, but uh, I don't think you're going to concern yourself with it just yet. Uh, As a team, 6 of 21 and 29%. Howard Washington had three threes in the second half, was uh, 3 of 6 altogether, provided a bit of a spark. I think at one point he made 3 out of 4. Battle. Wings right, Washington, rhythm three, pure. First three for Howard, it's 70-28. to 28. 
Well, and that was the biggest lead of the game for the Orange. Uh, at that point, they would build it up to 45. Uh, Washington would go on to hit two more threes there in the second half. In his Dome debut, and that's the whole point, Coach Beheim, when he's asked, uh, why do you play these exhibition games? You could play a closed-door scrimmage. For instance, Syracuse could go play, let's say, Binghamton or have Binghamton come in and uh, not charge admission and, and that type of thing, and you could do it that way. But uh, the thought is it's much more important to play with the lights and the backdrop of the Dome and the fans and some enthusiasm in there, and uh, certainly that'll increase once the games actually count. Last night's crowd uh, was uh, just under 5,000, and it'll be triple that at least when the Orange uh, open the season against Cornell, likely uh, quadruple that, and then for the big games, six times that uh, for uh, what is to come. So for guys like O'Shea Brissett, and there's so many new players, but uh, certainly Brissett, Sidibe, Dolajai, uh, as far as uh, freshmen working their way in, uh, the Orange look to get them acclimated. One more game as a uh, dry run, and then back at it on Friday with the Big Red coming in. Geno Thorpe did not play last night. He's the graduate transfer from the University of South Florida. The coaches know what they have in him. He's got a little bit of a banged-up ankle right now, uh, taking a a little while to heal, but he was optimistic last night prior to the game that he would play on Monday. So I would uh, guess that he's maybe just reading the between the lines, not knowing the official uh, position on that, but I would guess he's maybe a little bit better than 50% to play on Monday, and then uh, there's certainly lots of time for him to come in uh, to the fold when the Orange are really going to need him against the the best teams, but it sounds like uh, Thorpe will be an exciting player to watch. And uh, Washington right there behind him, Frank Howard getting a little combo time as well. So we are in the booth. When we continue, we'll visit with Matt Rowe. We'll give him a call, and Matt will join us from sunny South Florida where he's on a little bit of a getaway for the weekend. Get his thoughts on what we saw last night. Set the stage for what's to come. We'll go over the World Series. Take your phone calls if you've got them at 4 ESPN 44 437 You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Game day coverage of Syracuse football on ESPN Radio is brought to you by CNYRealtor.com and Geico. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Saturday, coming off the bye week, the orange return to Florida to battle Florida State and Tallahassee. Pre-game at 10. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 at ESPN AM 1200. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. The Astros have won the World Series for the first time in their history, but that was predicted a few years ago. Sports Illustrated prophesied an Astros win in the World Series back in 2014. Pretty gutsy, and I'm surprised other magazines haven't really done this, to my knowledge, before or since. But uh, I do recall, I'd forgotten about it, and they splashed it up on TV the other night. But uh, Sports Illustrated a couple years ago uh, just threw it out there. They put a picture, I want to say, of Carlos Correa and said, uh, the Houston Astros, your world champions in 2017. And they're right. And, you know, you can sort of see some of, the, you know, like the teams that might be good in the making two and three and four years out based on uh, their young players, their farm system, the contract status of those players. And for the Astros, they have had that young core. Jose Otube is not all that young anymore, but he's a complete stud and completely consistent, so he's not going anywhere. Carlos Correa uh, is 
a young buck who uh, is a fantastic player right uh, to begin with. Then Alex Bregman, who I don't think was probably even on the Astros, uh, maybe had been drafted by the time that they – I don't think so. I think he wanted to, I want to say he played for LSU in 2015. So uh, they couldn't have been referring to him in, uh, in 2014. You look at some of these young guys that they've uh, put together with their pitching staff, and congratulations to the Astros. Our friend Robert Ford came on uh, just prior to the start of the World Series, and uh, he and others – We'll be wearing rings now for the uh, world championship, but uh, congrats to Sports Illustrated and the way they knocked that out. I'm hoping there'll be a Padres 2020 World Series champs. You might want to add a few more years to that. All right. 100. 30, 20. And it's funny because we talked about yesterday. I think you brought it up, Paul, yesterday or the day before. A lot of the best teams in baseball right now are really young. The Yankees are as young as they ever are. The Cubs have their talent under control uh, for the next handful of years. The Astros aren't going anywhere. The Indians. Dodgers aren't going anywhere. And the Indians, uh, Twins are I would good. say the Indians are a little older. The Twins are young. You know, so um, the Twins haven't done it yet. You know, but but uh, some of the best teams have, have young people to, uh, to look at. So the game's in good shape with that. UConn is number one. The Huskies taking the top spot in the Associated Press Women's Basketball Preseason Poll for the 12th time in the school's history. UConn kicking off their season November 12th in Columbus, Ohio. Real newsflash there, Joe. It's got to be like 12 in a row, right? Pretty close to it. I think maybe Stanford <laughs> or Notre Dame somewhere uh, in there had been number one ahead of UConn, but I don't know who you're uh, who you're picking outside of them. You know, they they're obviously unstoppable in terms of the way they put together. I know they had a, a fluky loss and their long winning streak uh, came to an end, but uh, they're really, really good. They reload one year to the next. No surprise, they're the top dog. And a German man tried opening his beer in a movie theater but was not able to use his hands. The quick-thinking 29-year-old used something he had in his pocket, a pepper spray canister. It broke. 200 moviegoers had to evacuate. So why do you just write this and deliver it like matter of fact? Why couldn't he use his hands? Doesn't say in the article, and I'd rather not speculate. He obviously could use that. his hands because he reached in his pocket and grabbed the. Pepper. I wonder if maybe he just he couldn't. It wasn't a open. twist. Yeah, off. yeah. That would be my guess. Then why would it say couldn't use his hands? That, I don't know. It's a dumb story. Joe, you need to be more curious. You do need I? to. I don't speak German, though. How could I? Uh, yeah, how I was going to say, did you translate it to this point? You, <laughs> You sure instead of hands, you didn't mean can opener or bottle opener? No, no. It says hands in the article. I'm going to go uh, back to the last story. I've never seen this in my life. I'm looking at the AP Top 25 for women's basketball and the USA Today coaches poll. Connecticut won Texas 2 in the AP poll. Texas is uh, 6 in the coaches poll. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Happens. Once in a while. Happens. That's a, that's a big they're usually not that big of a difference for the number two. But, no. But, but uh, I also think it's such a gap between one and everybody else that the, the rest is kind of up for grabs. South Carolina and Baylor rounding it out. The, those are two other powers in women's basketball. Couldn't use his hands. <laughs> it's Germany. I was trying to get off of that story <laughs> for you. <laughs> I tried to save you, Joe. I appreciate why it, boss. Why... Was he reaching in for something else that he thought he had in his pocket, and it he wound up grabbing the pepper I don't spray? Know. I'm not sure why uh, he would. Have why would he think spray. that the pepper spray would have anything to do to I open the bottle? I don't know. It's just a weird story. I was in a bar up on the SU Hill back in my heyday, and a girl had one go off in her purse, and it they had to evacuate. It's a horrible experience to be in. Everybody was choking and couldn't breathe. And 
It's not a fun thing. Is that because you were there? <laughs> she, yeah, she maced me. <laughs> well, likely story. All right, Joe. Dewey Cares brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. That's Joe, ladies and gentlemen. You can spend the rest of your afternoon wondering what the heck he was talking about in that last one. Matt Rowe coming up next when we go in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. We have breaking NFL trade deadline news. Welcome to your technically not first place because the Patriots have played more games for us, but still kind of near first place. Buffalo Bills, Kelvin Benjamin. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6, ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio here until 3 o'clock today. Tomorrow, a best-of show as we travel. A little game preview. I like Matt Rowe's chances to make the best-of show tomorrow if he's good. So, no pressure here, Matt. And how are you? How are you doing, buddy? Good. You didn't waste any time getting uh, out of town. It's a beautiful day Uh, here after a a rainy start. But uh, I'm happy for you checking out the Miami-Virginia Tech game this weekend. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we got home late from the Dome last night and tried to uh, watch a depressing Game 7. Not that I was a fan of either team, but I just thought uh, to make it an epic uh, World Series, uh, you want a tighter Game 7 than 5-1. to one. So I uh, didn't get to bed probably till, um 1 o'clock. Got up at 4 and on a flight out of Syracuse to Reagan and down to Miami. And uh, a little sunnier here, I'm assuming, than there. <laughs> I love how you roll, though, and I'm, I'm totally with you. We're going to talk about the World Series coming up, but it was a great series and then just kind of a dog. I was... Uh, so excited yeah. after the basketball game last night. I'm going to get home and watch the, the second half of this and really enjoy it, but it was already 5 nothing and and uh, made it uncharacteristic of the other games of the series. No, nah, it's depressing, you know, for the Dodgers and Kershaw. Maybe you start them, you don't know, on a couple days rest, but uh, just two great teams, you know. Anytime you have two teams in the World Series with 100 wins during the regular season, the two best teams are in the in the uh, Classic, and um, hats off to the Astros. kind of reminds me a lot of, you know, what happened in Boston when they had the, the marathon, uh, you know, tragedy and, uh, you know, with the storms in Houston, maybe it was just fate and they're, they're year to win it, finally. Yeah. Yep, very cool and uh, happy for our friends down there and, and for the city and uh, the Dodgers ought to be uh, right back. Both those teams uh, figure to be uh, very much in the mix for the, for the next couple of years. So that's the end of one season and last night we saw sort of a prequel uh, to the start of another season. The uh, Orange Men's Basketball Campaign starts a week from tomorrow in the Dome against Cornell. And uh, we look at these as kind of uh, dress rehearsals, uh, Matt, and and get a feel for it. What was your biggest takeaway from last night? Well, I went in thinking that, uh, you know, there's going to be a great defensive playing team, and and they definitely didn't prove me wrong. I'm probably more so, very athletic, more so than last year's team long. You know, uh, really concentrating on the defensive end did a lot of different things, as we know. Uh, the press kind of turned around the game for them. The press had more man-to-man principles. And then I know it's a preseason game, but, um, you know, with a depth of eight or nine guys that I, I don't really see outside of maybe an O'Shea Brissett ties battle, uh, you know, the rest of the seven guys all can, can come in and contribute. So why not use 
uh, all the bodies and maybe play some man-to-man and maybe use the presses more than just to, hey, we're going to turn on more behind or, uh, you know, use it to, to try to, you know, uh, surprise some teams. It could be a serious weapon. Uh, but the, my takeaways were I didn't think Syracuse was going to be this strong offensively. It's tough to tell against a Division II team and a team that starts the center at 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, with just a bunch of athletic guards. Uh, but they live from the dboffers.com powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse and 100.1 FM Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio here until 3 o'clock today. Tomorrow, a best of show as we travel. A little game preview. I like Matt Rowe's chances to make the best of show tomorrow if he's good. So, no pressure here, Matt. And how are you? How are you doing, buddy? Good. You didn't waste any time getting uh, out of town. It's a beautiful day uh, here after a, a rainy start, but uh, I'm happy for you checking out the Miami-Virginia Tech game this weekend. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we got home late from the Dome last night and tried to uh, watch a depressing Game 7. Not that I was a fan of either team, but I just thought uh, to make it an epic uh, World Series, uh, you want a tighter Game 7 than, than 5-1. to one. So I uh, didn't get to bed probably till. Um, one o'clock got up at four and on a flight out of Syracuse to Reagan and down to Miami and uh, a little sunnier here I'm assuming than there. <laughs> I love how you roll though and I'm, I'm totally with you we're going to talk about the World Series coming up but it was a great series and then just kind of a dog I was uh, so excited yeah. after the basketball game last night to, I'm going to get home and watch the, the second half of this and really enjoy it but it was already five nothing and and uh, made it uncharacteristic of the other games of the series. No, it's depressing, you know, for the Dodgers and Kershaw. Maybe you start them, you don't know, on a couple days rest. But uh, just two great teams, you know. Anytime you have two teams in the World Series with 100 wins during the regular season, the two best teams are in the in the uh, Classic. And um, hats off to the Astros. Kind of reminds me a lot of, you know, what happened in Boston when they had the, the marathon uh, you know, tragedy and, uh, you know, with the storms in Houston. Maybe it was just fate in their, their year to win it. Finally. Yeah. Yep. Very cool, and uh, happy for our friends down there, and and for the city, and uh, the Dodgers ought to be uh, right back. Both those teams uh, figure to be uh, very much in the mix for for the next couple of years. So that's the end of one season, and last night we saw sort of a prequel uh, to the start of another season. The uh, Orange Men's Basketball Campaign starts a week from tomorrow in the Dome against Cornell, and uh, we look at these as kind of uh, dress rehearsals. Uh, Matt and, and get a feel for it. What was your biggest takeaway from last night? Well, I went in thinking that, uh, you know, there's going to be a great defensive playing team, and, and they definitely didn't prove me wrong. I'm probably more so, very athletic, more so than last year's team long, you know, uh, really concentrating on the defensive ends. Did a lot of different things, as we know. Uh, the press kind of turned around the game for them. The press had more man to man principles, and then I know it's a preseason game, but. Um, you know, with the depth of eight or nine guys that I, I don't really see outside of maybe an O'Shea Brissett ties battle, uh, you know, the rest of the seven guys all can, can come in and contribute. So why not use uh, all the bodies and maybe play some man-to-man and maybe use the presses more than just to, hey, we're going to turn on more behind or, uh, you know, use it to, to try to, you know, uh, surprise some teams. It could be a serious weapon. Uh, but the, my takeaways were I didn't think Syracuse was going to be this strong offensively. It's tough to tell against a Division II team and a team that starts the center at 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, with just a bunch of athletic guards. Uh, but they made Southern New Hampshire look r- really 
uh, overwhelmed as a team. And, uh, you know, I just thought the defensive pressure really kind of was an eyebrow raiser. And, um, you know, obviously we could talk about blocks, but just I was impressed overall. I think there's more talent Coach Bam has in the cupboard than uh, maybe going into that game. Yeah, you know, you used the idea of the surprise on the press, and I'll admit to being surprised. First of all, I wasn't really playing along or or thinking, hey, when will we see this? But the fact that it was brought on in the first half, uh, maybe coming out of, I want to say, the second TV timeout, and the pleasant surprise to me is that uh, Marek Dolajai, who I think we fear uh, could get blown away in a stiff wind, uh, really held his own and created some havoc in the, the front of that zone. Dolajai was great. I mean, five steals in that first half. It's kind of a stat that you kind of didn't really look at because you were so impressed with Chuku and uh, Sadibi with the you know, 10-11 block between them in the first half. So that, to me... Uh, I thought he was the most influential player in the game last night. Really didn't score until the second half. But uh, as far as a point man on that press with those long arms that you know aren't the most muscular, but uh, he's very active and he doesn't mind giving up his body. It's the kind of the the Euro mentality of uh, I'm just going to play hard and uh, I'm fundamentally sound and I'm going to be out here and try to get minutes any way I can. He'll he'll be a factor at some games this season, but. Uh, he was the one you might say, okay, he's the eighth or ninth man or might not see a lot of time. He's going to be in the, in the mix if he can contribute and uh, make deflections like that in the press. And he doesn't panic when he gets the ball in his hands, which I think is encouraging. No, and his shot looks really good, too. You know, watching him warm up, you know, he, he looks like a, a standstill shooter, but uh, with the long arms, you know, you can get those shots off easily. And it will come with confidence with him, and he's been great this past summer in, in, in European play and tournaments. And uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, again, how much he works and gets in the weight room, he can be a great, you know, a super player by his junior, senior year. But I still think he contributes these next few years. Matt Rowe is our guest. Uh, Matt uh, was with us on the broadcast on ACC Network Extra last night. The Watch ESPN app, and uh, Matt will have the bulk of the games there. He and uh, Brian Higgins on the call on Monday night. And, Matt, the idea that uh, – you know, I think you're great with your self-deprecating. You know, we talk about defense. I think you point out, hey, that maybe wasn't my strong suit. But last night we see it in display because it's so exaggerated, the athletic Syracuse team against a small Division II team. One thing that's fun to watch about defense is how demoralizing it is. When the Syracuse defense is good and every pass is deflected, boy, you really see the other team struggle to get any kind of shots and that it seems to uh, get even worse as the game goes on. Well, it's interesting last night, you know, that, that zone can morph. And I, I think that already, even in, you know, with limited practice time, Coach Panheim really, uh, you know, a lot, a lot last year he talked about how guys weren't familiar with the zone with, you know, two fifth years, uh, five-year, fifth-year transfers uh, with Gillen and White. And uh, these guys seem, uh, you know, a couple times last night I saw Brissett. Uh, Matthew Moyer, I mean, they're they're already up uh, on shooters, almost, you know, making that zone a, a 3-2 look, or at times it almost looks like a 4-1 when you have a, a goaltending shot blocker back there with a, with a two-headed, two-headed center. But um, it was impressive last night, and mainly when the press started, I mean, you know, Southern New Hampshire could not get the ball past their free-throw line on their defensive end. Forget half court. I mean, the ball was just being deflected there. 
And it, it, took, it took them maybe three, four minutes to get the ball over half court. And then you're thinking, okay, you know, you exhale, and ten, almost 10 seconds are off the shot clock, and now they're playing the three out passing around, and those passes are being deflected. So it was almost like three lines of defense, beat our press, then beat our top of the zone, and then, hey, if you get it in the middle, we're just going to have a block party down low. And it just was really cool to see the three tiers of that defense last night. No, it's a great point, and uh, I think Barama Sadibi and uh, Pascal Chukwu did their job. It, again, it looks sort of deceiving against the Division Two team, but uh, you know they're shooting from lower, obviously, smaller guys. We'll see how much of that is uh, transferable. What did you make of uh, O'Shea Brissett, Matt, last night, a, a double-double, and what does your trained eye tell you about uh, how he polishes his game and what he contributes this year? Well, I, he looked a little nervous early on. I was very impressed with him in warm-ups. I always like to watch guys in warm-ups and uh, you know, where they try to take their shots from. He's very comfortable from behind the three-point arc. Didn't hit a three until the second half. But, um, you know, his first couple shots I thought were forced. It was kind of everybody was trying to feel themselves out. We weren't really feeding the post. And, and I don't know if that's, you know, going to be a team all year. I don't think there is really a back-to-the-basket score, per se, on the team. But I think Percet is a very gifted, uh, long, prototypical Syracuse forward, you know, 6'7", uh, probably a wingspan of 6'9", 6'10". But he has no problem mixing it up, going inside, doing some dirty work on the offensive glass. But uh, the most impressive move he made last night kind of reminded me of James Harden. Who, you know, he's on the left wing in front of us and really drove hard uh, to his defender and then did the old step-back pullback and, and switched the three. And uh, you, you can't teach that no matter what kind of uh, skill level or level you play in basketball. It's just a, uh, just a really great move. And if, if you're at that level already as a freshman to make those kind of moves, I really believe he could be that guy that Coach Barham is going to need besides Tyus Battle because everybody's going to try to stop Tyus this year uh, as the main scorer. And I really feel given minutes and opportunities, O'Shea Brissett's, you know, good enough to score 14, 15 points a game as a freshman. I know it's, you know, it's an exhibition game. I get that, but uh, the skill set is there. It will transcend into ACC play with that type of uh, skill level. I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time on battle, Matt, but uh, he was about what you'd expect last night and, and seemed to recognize early that uh, – Hey, maybe he didn't even he wasn't shooting it well, but maybe he didn't need to either because against these guys, get to the cup. Yeah, I think Ty's battle. He's just a one-on-one. He can create his own shot. He's a he's a mismatch nightmare. I mean, you're going to have to send maybe a, a, a second defender at him at times. I mean, his shot wasn't falling, but look, he gets to the free throw line. He, he can punish you there. Um, he he's a strong uh, defender. He can get his shot off at any time. Um, I think he's going to be a nightmare for a lot of teams. And I think that even with not playing a great game in limited minutes, uh, he's going to play at least 10 more minutes per game during the regular season. Maybe not non-conference play, but he's just uh, I think he's one of those guys that is a given every night that you go out this year. He will have in a bad game, so he'll have 20. In great games, he'll be scoring 26-27 a game. Yeah, and he'll take that many shots for sure. We'll, we'll see a lot of volume from battle as he should. And uh, Frank Howard, Matt, were you, you pleased with – uh, kind of what you saw to him? Yeah, I think at times, you know, Frank, look at Frank's going to probably has the most pressure as a, a junior on him. I mean, um, you know, uh, he at times he tries to, I think, do a little bit too much where he can kind of just grab the ball. A couple times he could have uh, fed Pascal Chuku or uh, Sadibi down low and didn't kind of look them off. Uh, and, uh, you know, the shot clock was running down. 
but I think that he'll the more experience he'll play, he's got to be that quarterback on the floor. Um, and and look at Howard Washington to me, and not just you know create like well who's going to start a point guard? Is a freshman. He came in had eleven points, uh, three threes in the second half, but never really looked panicked. So I think that you know if Frank has a tough game and um, you know things he's not you know uh, you know turn the ball over, or trying to hurry up too much. Coach Bayheim has that kind of. Uh, backup point guard or backup combo guard. Uh, and I look at all the guards, really. If you look at their team, there's not really a true, true lead guard. I mean, at times last night, Frank Howard was playing the two or three uh, when Howard Washington was in the game. So I think that there's flexibility there. I think Ty's battle could swing between, the, you know, help bring it up two and three. There's a lot of guys that can create their own shots there. Uh, and at times, you know, Brissett was bringing the ball up. So um, a lot of options, but... Um, I was pleased with what Frank did, and, and, and as the season gets better, he's going to have to get better and better running that team. I don't think we need uh, – the Syracuse team needs Frank Howard to go out and score 14, 15 a game. I think, you, you know, Coach Bayheim would be happy with a guy that has, you know, three or four steals a game at the top of the zone. Uh, I think that he could, uh, you know, get four or five rebounds, long rebounds, and, you know, four or five assists and seven or eight points. That's what he's going to look for from that position this year. And last thing, Matt, uh, you know as a loyal listener of the show that we give Pauly one question a show. <laughs> He's playing that card now. All right, Matt, uh, you're going to the Virginia Tech-Miami game, football game. I want to know how Matt Rowe rolls. Where are your seats? Yeah. Oh, that is the million-dollar question, Pauly. Uh, very interesting because at times we think we have connections and we can call them in and get a, get a free ticket or a comp ticket here or there. That's not the world today, Pauly, so... We were we were toying with a box seat, which could have run all the way up to two hundred and fifty dollars per guy. Uh, we are probably going to go second tier, Paulie. Go, you know, maybe a eighty ninety dollar ticket. Just try to get in and watch this game. Uh, but that's how we're rolling. I mean, I I, I think that uh, you know we've also had an opportunity to maybe go deep sea fishing on Saturday. So there's a lot of options, but um, we we're, we're going to roll very modestly, Paulie. If you were down here with me, I know we get comp. And we would probably be in somebody's uh, box and, uh, you know, eating jumbo shrimp. Well, there's plenty of that in that stadium, which is cool. Who wins? <laughs> I think, you know what, I think uh, Miami's going to I think Miami's going to win the game. Well, you know, we're, bring, with them. we're bringing Going you back. With hurricanes. We're bringing Going you back on team. Monday, Matt, for maybe a, either Monday or Tuesday. We'll bring you back for a little recap of the second exhibition and, uh, and this trip. I mean, if Miami wins, then they're right on course to be in the playoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, we knew uh, once they beat Syracuse, and you know they've been winning through that they've got a shot. And the tickets, I think, got a little bit harder. And uh, you know, the the biggest thing of playing this trip, obviously, was all around Irma and what the damage was down here. And they kind of dodged that down here. You see some palm trees down, and not a lot, but this the city's recovered quite nicely. It was more down in the Keys, and uh, that was our biggest hesitation to coming here. Okay, we excited. almost went out to see Hopkins out at uh, oh, that would have been cool Washington too. And, uh, that's a great place Oregon to see a game, game as well. Wow, yeah. I'm I'm, uh, I'm jealous of you guys. That's a pretty fun uh, fun routine that you and your uh, friends yeah. have there from FM. So been good going stuff. Strong for for 12 years now. It's kind of crazy. It's the best. We appreciate it, my friend, and we will uh, talk to you. Safe hey, travels and trip. Thanks, guys. And uh, uh, Paulie, let me know. Text me if I can mention your name anywhere down here to get get comp uh, tickets. Okay. <laughs> His, his uh, name opens uh, untold doors down there in South Florida. That's Matt Rowe, the uh, Fayetteville Manliest Hall of Famer. Broke down the World Series, that was basketball, great. Fantastic and, uh, and college football. For that us. is how you get on the Friday Best Of Show. You cover all the bases.
What more do you need than Matt Rowe? Back with more in the booth as we continue on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get the latest about Syracuse football. Get a preview of every game from Coach Dino Babers. You know, we're going to have the toughest schedule in the country next year. I'll push all in on anybody. It's not lip service. Look at the schedule. Get recaps from former players and the media that follows every play. Uh, he is obviously the best quarterback on the roster right now. It does not take watching many minutes to discern that. No one brings you more Syracuse football. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Sunday, the Giants are at home against the L.A. Rams. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Maurice Seager, the batter, and a swing and a ground ball for Altuve out on the outfield grass. On to first, and the Houston Astros have claimed that city's first ever World Series Championship. They are mobbing Charlie Morton out of the mound right now. The relievers are racing in for the bullpen, and the Astros have done it. After losing game six last night, they come out early. They come out hot tonight. They take an early five to nothing lead in the Dodgers, and they win the game five to one to take the World Series in seven games. Dan Schulman has heard here on ESPN Radio last night the first World Series championship for the Houston Astros. Looking at you, Rangers, Mariners. Padres have won, haven't they? No, ninety-seven. They lost to the no, uh, lost to the Tigers in eighty-four. Eighty-four, yeah. Ninety-eight. Uh, Steve Garvey and Kurt and Yeah, Tony Gwynn, obviously. Champ Summers. Champ Summers. That's a good one. <laughs> The, Tim Ray, Flannery. The Ray oh, yeah. Flan. Boys with Flan. Um, yeah, so it took so long to get a no-hitter for him, too. What a That's moribund franchise there, Paul. We don't need to rub it in. Great uniforms, though. <laughs> um, so the Astros win. You heard the final call there and how it went down and the uh, emphasis on Houston in a year where the city was underwater for a great part of the summer, so uh, feeling good for the people there to get a little bit of Relief as they make their way back from uh, the hurricane and series of storms that uh, were so impactful that they sent the Astros on the road for a good part of the season to uh, to play some games in Tampa and elsewhere. And uh, good young team, fun to watch, easy to like. So are the Dodgers, for that matter. It was a fun series. Last night's game, maybe not so much. You Darvish got knocked around early, and uh, although he's a UConn guy, you got to give your credit to George Springer, who set a World Series record with five home runs. And the 3-2 on the way, and a swing and a drive to left center field. Gone! Another home run for George Springer. His fifth here in the World Series, and the Astros have blown out to a 5 to nothing lead here in the second inning. World Series MVP there, George Springer. The uh, former UConn Husky, got to give him credit though, 11 of 29 at the plate with five home runs, seven RBIs, 29 total bases. Uh, Really a a tremendous showing. Reggie Jackson territory there to have five home runs in uh, one World Series. The strangest thing last night was Lance McCullers, right? Hitting four batter sets. Yeah, geez, well, maybe it was because he warmed up <laughs> the, after the uh, the game six game 
the, the previous night. You don't want to do that. Don't want to be hitting four batters. But uh, it obviously did not uh, come back to get him. And Springer afterwards describing uh, what really, again, maybe the last game notwithstanding, was an epic and a memorable World Series. This was a great series between two 100-win teams, um, two great teams, you know, two great offenses, two great defenses, two great pitching staffs, and two great pens. And, and um, the wildness of this series, the wackiness of this series, the emotional ups and downs, you know, being able to play in this is, is something that I will never, ever forget even if this is the only time I, you know, I will ever get here. And that's a good team over there. And I, I don't ex- expect them to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, I, I, I expect them to be competing for, for a world championship for years to come. George Springer on the World Series championship for the Astros, a young team, and uh, he's a big part of it. And hello, how about uh, Carlos Correa, who's an all-star and a stud? And uh, what's better than playing it right through your post-game uh, walk-off interview and uh, going right into marriage proposal, and uh, he's pretty well set, I would say. He's got it pretty good. Yeah, you can't. You, you think can't Ken Rosenthal the, was in on that, or what? Yeah. He had to have been, right? Did he produce the ring? You can't do that in that situation, though, right? Can you? It's kind of like. What? You can't go into someone National else's. National television? You can't go into a party that's not about you alone and do that, I don't think. You know you what I'm saying? Think, you think that took from the team celebration? Yeah, wait till oh, tomorrow. I don't. Wait till tomorrow. Oh, no. I mean, was he going to do it if they lost? <laughs> Wait till tomorrow. Do it at the parade. And the Dodgers have won the World Series. <laughs> hey, sweetheart. Uh. <laughs> no, it, it was a me monster moment. Wait till, <laughs> wait till tomorrow. <laughs> I haven't gotten that's, enough spotlight for winning the World Series. That's pretty funny. Well, I think he was probably, you know, maybe he was trying to have it, you know, better than great. Sometimes that can be dangerous. I just think uh, you don't do that. Do it tomorrow. Do it the next day. Do it a week later. Well, then it's not a special moment, Polly. Where Where is your romance? You got to think about your bros in that situation. You're taking away from your bros when you <laughs> the Stros before <laughs> the Stros bros. There's a lot of bros on the on the field between those two teams. Jack Peterson's a bro. If there ever was one, right? I am hunting down right now. Yeah, you want to get trying Stu? to. I'm trying to get Stu That'd Peterson out of here. Great get. It's not easy to find Stu Peterson. All the podcasts here at ESPN Radio are now on iTunes. Just search ESPN Syracuse in iTunes and subscribe to get the best of our shows. Send straight to your phone or computer so you can listen anytime to Orange Nation in the booth and on the block. Big night here just down the block, right, with the idea that the uh, you got your Nature Boy documentary coming up. Uh, exciting stuff there. And... Uh, Big uh, house pack there, Polly, or what? Over at the Red House. Yeah, Arts it looks Center. like we've got a, a good amount of winners, and they can come out. They'll get some free Cam's pizza. Okay, that'd be nice, huh? Have some Cam's pizza delivered. Good to have Cam's and, on uh, board. And they'll be checking out the movies. And uh, the last time we did it, it went well. And uh, we'll be over doing uh, the Coach Baber show at Shaughnessy. So if you didn't win, come over to Shaughnessy's and watch Matt Park and I. <laughs> Do our thing. That's right. Looking forward to that. Justin Lustig, uh, running backs coach and special teams coach, will be our guest. Get his thoughts on uh, the emergence of the running game. Dante Strickland coming off a 100-yard game. In fact, uh, Strickland and Eric Dungy each had 100-plus in the Miami game. The Orange take on Florida State on Saturday, an FSU team that has struggled 
with uh, its ground game uncharacteristically this year, averaging just uh, 3.8 yards per carry. What's the reason? Well, they've got a freshman quarterback that has not been able to, uh, the same extent, keep the defense honest. And as uh, they are able to crowd and shut down the passing game, well, now you're forced to run it, and that's pretty difficult in terms of the way it's gone down here so far for the uh, uh, Seminoles of Florida State, who are winless at home. Syracuse looking for its first road win uh, since the middle of last year, and uh, the Ofer at home is hard to believe. O and three uh, is uh, Florida State at uh, Doak Campbell Stadium so far this year. Good venue. Chief Osceola coming out with the flaming spear and all kinds of good stuff there to set the stage at 12.20 start time. Speaking of setting the stage, we talked with Chris Fuller from the uh, Syracuse uh, Department of Athletics yesterday about uh, Military Appreciation Day, the Orange taking on Wake Forest on November 11th in the Dome. Hope you can come check that out and make that feel like a Dome field advantage. And uh, the Orange are going to need it against a Wake team that is also improved this year. Uh, You look at the remaining four games, Florida State and Louisville underperforming, Wake and BC overperforming, as is uh, Syracuse arguably to this point. Thanks to Joe and Polly on the show. We thank Matt Rowe for being our guest. Matt really brought it here in a lot of different categories. You can hear that tomorrow on the Best Of with some other stuff as well. That'll be at 2 o'clock on the air from Florida on Saturday here on ESPN Radio.